0: Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. Hey, Matt. Let's
1: see what we can dig up. See what I did there?
0: Uh, Absolutely.
1: Today, we are podcasting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 108, The Well. Brought to us by the good people at the Portland Philharmonic. They're featuring a new cellist uh, this winter, so you might get over there and check out their tribute to the music of Norway.
0: (laughs) It's a special place. I'll just mention quickly, if you'd like to help the podcast, head over to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com and click on the PayPal link. Even a little bit goes a long way. With that, Pete, I guess before we jump into debrief, uh, we we kind of tend to do our initial uh, initial reactions here, And, and Pete, if I could just just backtrack a little bit so this weekend i saw that uh the 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 somewhat goofy but ultimately reliable people at uh, tv by the numbers uh downgraded agents of shield from a likely renewal to on the bubble citing uh ratings that continue to decline they even took out the, the the pilot episodes numbers out of the equation and just kind of cited week after week how the 1849 rating is going down I don't know if that put me in a grumpest mood for this episode, but I, I did not love this episode. Pete, you are the Captain America to my Hulk. What, what's inspiring sunshine can you give me?
1: Well, on the overall ratings picture, I can say take heart. This show is not going to be disappearing anytime soon. We have a full season to play with. Um, I can only imagine that things will get better. I'd be very interested to see the overnight ratings. I think the Thor, uh, the Dark World tie-in is going to do some ratings magic. Um, and I would say take heart. I, I don't see the worry, at least at this point. I can understand the worry, but I'm not worried.
0: All right, fair enough. I mean, you've talked, to me, talked to me off uh, the edge a little bit. I don't know if it's an edge of a well. Da-da-da. but uh, um certainly i mean you know cu- a curious episode in that it did tie into thor the dark world you know uh, something that we uh podcasted uh, a week or two ago and uh you of course can find on shield Com if you haven't listened to it already so i guess with that pete should we get into the degree at the degree <laughs> oh my <how laughs> you phronian. just
1: did your degree. grief <laughs>
0: <laughs> should we get into the debrief pete? yes
1: Yes, and we begin uh, the first time, other than the pilot, which again, special circumstances there for for any show, especially this show, where we had gotten stock footage from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we got a prologue, um, uh, voiceover there by the lovely Agent Simmons, explaining to us, you know, and, and to the casual fan, I think, the direct connection here to uh, Thor The Dark World in theaters now less than two weeks. So, you know, Matt, your word, I'm just going to use it again, synergy from, you know, one screen to another and that we're directly able to drop the cast of this TV show into a situation created at the end of that movie.
0: Yeah, but it didn't feel that they were dropped in I, I don't know, kind of, kind of into the 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 moments or days afterward. Um, at least for me, again, I want to be upfront with the audience that a, I feel it's important to be honest, uh, good or bad, a, and you know the flip side is Pete, you're kind of here to to pull me back if I am in some sort of you know malaise or whatever. I guess part of me is like I thought this episode was going to be about the the uh, search for the Asgardian kitty cat, which. Which, to be fair, last week I was saying there's no way it is going to be that just for cost purposes, but um, fair is fair. Let's focus on this episode. Yes, they do indeed start out with that aftermath. They are very much the, um, you know, kind of doing some of the, the the grunt work compared to, you know, the the Sam Jackson end of, uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we've seen in some of the movies and whatnot. And um, I have to give them credit. There is the synergy here, and it was a good starting point. It was a compelling starting point. Um, I was taken aback a little bit, Pete, by the, um, the Sky dialogue, where essentially it's kind of like, all right, let's just remind everybody what the deal is with this Thor situation. Like, were they really anticipating that there's a bunch of people watching this show who don't understand, you know, Asgardians on Earth mistaken for Norwegian gods so on and so forth, because they kind of were.
1: But that's that necessary evil of TV exposition, particularly if you're going to cross over to something. I mean, you you can't rely that your entire audience for this TV show has seen, A, the most recent movie, B, several of them, C, all of them. And, you know, it's made in a network – Decisions made at a network level, if not in a writer's room level, of okay, we have to call this out. Uh, Who's doing it? Sky is our voice of exposition here. If it's not Sky, it's Colson. And I think in that scene, you really had uh, a nice, I hesitate to use the word marriage, but a a, a nice mix of both in giving us that information.
0: Okay, fair is fair. Again, I want to be upfront. You know, some of my criticism, you know, I i've listened to podcasts in the past where it's all of a sudden it's like oh no that one person hated it and i loved it and i kind of don't want to be that guy but i also want to you know i want at the end of the day i want to be honest uh i I, that's what podcasting is all about i think just having that microphone to be honest and be yourself so uh, yeah i will i I will accept your your um explanation of the necessary evil of it despite the fact i was sitting there going oh we don't need to know this it's a network t v show, maybe I don't need it, maybe you don't need it, but if it's if it's needed for the show, I
1: get it i mean listen let's let's understand that this episode was conceived knowing the the broad strokes of the movie of Thor the dark world, okay, but at the same time kind of parallel to it in that it, it's not directly relying on the information of that movie it's Relying on, you know, all right, there are these aliens, the Asgardians, they were Vikings, the Vikings worshipped them, et cetera, et cetera. That's what that is. So, you know, the the prologue of them, you know, in Greenwich cleaning up, um, you know, helps us to understand when we see, you know, Yearn and Schnern, who are climbing the the tree and uh, ripping the the piece of the spear out. Um, You know, that scene beginning on its own doesn't tie in to the film as well. So you could almost see where, you know, the, the scene putting them in the library in Greenwich was, if not a late production ad, you know, something to further the tie in
0: and you know what pete i mean you you mentioning the movie aliens etc i couldn't help but think of um the first i don't know three four uh, seasons of the x-files whenever it was that the first x-files movie came out now back at that time i was a huge x-files fan that was absolutely in my wheelhouse at least for the first couple seasons um how And I remember being excited for the X-Files movie set up by the TV show, going to see the movie, kind of feeling a little bit like I didn't quite get the moviness of it because it you both needed the show to introduce yourself into the movie and then you kind of, it like left you with things that when the show picked up again in September, they're showing, you know, last season on the X-Files and then on the movie part, like kind of recapping, just kind of feeling a bit exhausted, like oh, there's so much to keep track of and there's, this is such a, uh, a complex story and again maybe that was a you know maybe it was too complex for my young man mind back then but point being i think that you're right that the separation that this episode has from the move from you know thor the dark world is ultimately a good thing that we have these separate corners that you can go to and you don't necessarily need that through line completely of you know hey the very last thing in the very last secret scene directly sets up a, an episode of the TV show like you don't you don't need that you as much as to say hey there's this big thing and these are the people who the you know, not to you know overuse the 911 connection or a reference or whatever but you know these are the people who show up on 912 these are the, these are the first responders these these are the people who are there a week later dealing with it um and and I'm okay with that. I'm 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 feeling better, Pete, as okay. as you you talk me away from my <laughs> from my big angry uh, Asgardian staff here.
1: You don't want it, uh, <laughs> yeah. You you don't want it. Not too, intentional, there. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it too dependent, too. You know, you don't want it too inside baseball, where you can only get it if you see uh, the movie. Because believe it or not, there are people who, for one reason or another aren't going to or haven't or don't plan to see the movie and don't think too I mean there were there were several ads within the course of the show at least where I was watching advertising the movie so you know just right. see this and then you know watch those cinematic numbers too I mean they got a little bit of a challenge from uh, you know uh, best man Christmas or you know whatever the one this weekend but Thor still won the weekend. So, you know, they're doing just all right. And like I've said before, you know, the, the season long tension within S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to build and that's going to pay off in, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So, you know, trust the system, Matt, to uh, <laughs> to quote the previous episode, you know. That's fair. That's and, fair. and in fairness, you know, I, I and I want to preface this uh, in this podcast in no way, shape or form am I you know, a cheerleader here. I'm gonna call it as I see it and you know how it is, just like Matt said before. Um but within that, you know, and and despite some some seemingly negative press going on with Agents of Shield, this show is very strong right now. Okay? It is among the top new hour longs this season. Um it's got a loyal following, it's got to maintain that following, got to make sure that that happens are there things they need to get better at absolutely and we're going to ad- address later on you know there's an article we're going to take and particularly i'm going to take issue with um but you know again take heart i i think i think we're in good shape right now
0: fair enough um i was initially a little unsure of the the, the odd setup kind of of the uh the inciting force of this episode you know the the thing that just makes you angrier um but that too i think i think um worked nicely you know i don't i kind of want to i I don't want to tip our hand too much to get into the dossier section which uh kind of certainly envelops many a person who touches the as guardian uh bits but um it was a uh, i thought it was a good way to get to uh get to know ward a bit better to see him in a different light interacting with the other characters um the fact that they're they're actively in these episodes referencing the previous episodes not in a way that's that makes it you know purely serial you know where our, our long-time uh listeners of course know the know the phrase uh, uh procedural hybrid very well i think that this is the territory that agents of shield is trying to to operate in and um I thought that this you know, the staff, not as a villain itself, but the staff, as I said, kind of has this inciting force having this effect on the people that it interacts with. I thought that it was certainly effective in order to to get to know our characters better. Although I did feel at times that we kind of bent a bit too much towards the Asgard bits and a little bit away from the character focus, but Well, Pete, what would you say to that?
1: I have to disagree. I think the character focus in terms of, you know, getting the flashbacks on Ward, Coulson's connection to the cinematic universe, hey, I found this hammer, now we've got this spear. I thought it was all very well played and, you know, in the proper percentages that it should be. I mean, Matt, you use a word like procedural, you know, I don't think there was a lot of procedure going on in this episode other than the initial bits of what are we looking at you know there was quite a bit of action and then you know backstory as well which I thought informed the going on goings on on screen Um, you know we had a high power cameo in this episode in you know Peter McNichol playing Professor Randolph who we later learn is an Asgardian okay and you know, something I'm going to bring up heavily when we look at that uh, the article later on. The idea of trust in this episode that despite the fact that word is infected or affected by this spear, that they allow him to remain on duty and that it pays off. Uh, I was a little yeah. worried by, you know, the slaughter that took place. And then, you know, uh, the way that May was able to wield the staff, assemble the staff and, you know, uh, take care of uh, Norse uh, paganist uh, alpha female, Um, (laughs) you know. And and then, of course, we'll talk about the the middle end, if you will, before the secret scene and and Mm. what potentially that meant um but you know i i I think we got everything we needed to get out of this episode from a from a story standpoint okay um you
0: you know again you're maybe i'm going through my own angry ward hulk-esque experience here but um i you're making me feel better as we go And, and pete i think before we hop into dossier just a few uh quick little observations from me, I thought it was a little convenient that I get sometimes need to be convenient in 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 a story, but the fact that uh at a point where we were just thinking that there were two parts of the staff, the fact that the both owners bump into each other, certainly you know on the street certainly uh coincidental. I know they're kind of he's uh you know Peter mcnichol is coming from the the subterranean location and they're heading to it, but a little convenient there. And um, I guess last or, last early, uh, lastly, lastly, <laughs> the reference to vibranium alloy in the room—I certainly, uh, I certainly dug that. Was a nice kind of uh, effortless nod to the uh, the Marvel universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, whatever you want to, uh, whatever you want to call it. Well,
1: Matt, you know, for the the one person who's never heard of it, vibranium is the substance, uh, the rarest substance on Earth, as is established in the Captain America movie, and it is a substance that uh, Captain America's shield is made of. So evidently, uh, they found more.
0: And I believe, Pete, I believe what I'm about to say is accurate, although some of her are, you know listeners who are more versed in uh, comic books can let us know i believe that within the 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 comics the attempt to duplicate vibranium maybe i have this backwards but let me finish the first thought the attempt to duplicate vibranium led to the creation of adamantium which of course is the metal in um in um uh wolverine skeleton Mm -hmm. and you know and the X-Men snicked um, or perhaps it's vice versa. But uh, but either way, there's that uh, connection there.
1: OK, very good. Well, let's get into the dossier here. And first up are our crazy Norse pagan Viking wannabe dudes. Well, dude and do Yes. Largely dudes led True. in part by a dude uh, you know they they know to go to this uh, Trilamarka uh, park in Norway, and uh, you know they're looking for something. Obviously, they find the part of the Berserker staff. Berserker. Berserker. Okay, Matt. Their love for each other is like a truck. Berserker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you think that after uh they kiss they were making oh what did you think of this part uh, Wait <laughs> what Wait what <laughs> I'm confused <laughs> I just pulled back from the brink there is, is what I did Those oh, those fans of uh clerks and you know being at the jersey shore as we are you know uh we we're, were expected to know it might know where I might have been going with the rest of the lyrics to the song berserker Would, <laughs> would you like some making and then there's an expletive, okay. Well, thank you for. It rhymes for, with truck. Uh,
0: fire truck.
1: Yes. Would you like some fire truck <laughs> berserker? Uh, um,
0: I I think certainly they were serviceable, you know, first half villains. I I, I guess you have know, to go back to my comment earlier of the procedural nature. No, this is not procedural like CSI. This is not like law and order where you can set your watch to And we're halfway through the episode onto the DA's office. But there certainly is kind of the procedure of going to investigate X, and there increasingly is kind of like the the first half villain, the second half villain, um, in these episodes. And I don't mean that in a critical way. I'm certainly fine yeah. if that's the um if that's the uh you know the nature of it by the way one little comment let's see if i can get this technology to work here one little comment that i did have about those two villains was that they uh at you, which is norwegian for they spoke excellent english um <laughs> and look i get it i get it i get it but the fact that you know the two park service guys or whatever they were are like oh look france let us practice more English. Now to be fair, let me completely full dis I'm not disclosure. I guess it's the wrong word. There's some random lady that I follow on Instagram who's I believe is Norwegian, maybe Swedish, um who lives in Korea and just like it's really awesome pictures, but all, all of her pictures have English captions and then, you know, somebody will respond in Norwegian or Swedish or something and she'll just respond in, Swe- in, in the same language. So I know for people out there beyond America. I know that, that, you know, A, people do speak other languages, and B, that sometimes they speak more than one because they have to, because America is not, you know, the center of the the world. Um, So I get that. And maybe they were just like, hey, today, let's just speak English, and then because we can be better in our brains, you know, and go enjoy wonderful healthcare, you know, like, I get that. But I just thought it was, it was just kind of like, we can't, you can't hire two guys to just speak a different language and then subtitle it. You know that would be okay. That'd be a little bit more authentic. But it, thus it, ends my rant.
1: It's true, and and it's it, it's a small gripe. Um, you know, I think the show has been so good about its jet settings. Um, see what I did there? That I did. you know, I'll forgive this one. Um, you know having to put them in a, in a sweaty underground setting where they have their Norse pagan grab-the-spear meetings, you know. <laughs> um, okay, you know, same thing with, all right, we're going to stick Ward and Skye in the end in a pub because they were just in Ireland, you, you know. Right. It, it is what it is, you know. But again, to, to tease what we'll look at in an article later on, you can't have it every way.
0: Well, I think uh, Melinda May might have at the end of the episode, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Wow. Uh, Pete, moving on, the yes. the Asgardian McNichol, as I like yes. to call him. Well acted, particularly post-reveal. Um, wonderful little backstory that's largely delivered through his own dialogue, how he was lusting for love. He wanted to abandon... The, Wonderful details here wonderful writing he wanted to abandon his life of a mason can you imagine crushing rocks for thousands of years and then you go oh my goodness Asgard looks so wonderful and so kind of you know uh perfect and palatial the thought of not being in the in the the castle you know not being among the elite and living all that time in a job you don't like uh it, my goodness! No wonder he wanted to abandon that for a more interesting life and, and a simpler life, and a life of, you know, just kind of wandering around, doing what you want to do—kind of the, the life of the the vagabond, if you will. Um, absolutely uh, encapsulating, intoxi- intoxicating character there from uh, Peter McNichol.
1: Well, listen. One of the things that should have brought a lot of eyes to this episode is the fascination, the cult surrounding the character of Loki and, you know, a lot of things, Asgard. Very, very popular character. Um, Really breakout character within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You're not going to put Loki on this TV show. I'll say, I'll preface it maybe with yet.
0: Um, (laughs) Not unless you want 12 million viewers, a whole bunch of which are in the 18 to
1: 49 category, but... You know, I mean, sarcasm, who, who's sarcasm. to say long-term you, you couldn't, but, um, you know, to go to McNichol, uh, here makes just too much sense. You know, our, uh, one time Mason now student shagging professor who, you know, <laughs> I didn't think he was going to be an alien. I was surprised at that, uh, reveal. I thought he was just going to be a, uh, you know, uh, uh, an academic type who who felt the the lure of the of the uh, the artifact and got caught up in that. Um, hence his lack of uh, reaction when he had it in his bag, and he wasn't raging like all the humans who touched it. Um you know I thought it was gonna be you know this belongs in a museum, that type of thing <laughs> or or he was trying to bring it to uh Vigo the Carpathian <laughs> um on the you, upper vest side, yes,
0: oh, but I woo
1: you know, but i I think his turn here uh and again a a veteran t v presence um you know, same type of thing that we saw, you know, with what they did, you know, with the lesser known actor earlier in the season who, you know, we, we still assume is going to return as uh, Graviton, um, you know, to, to bring some weight to the opposition. And he doesn't wind up being a villain in the truest sense of the word. You know, his motives are, are not quite clear right away. Um And that they keep him in play at the end of this episode, you know, who knows if we can get back to him. But let's talk about what happened with Agent Ward in this episode and what I feel was a really expansive episode for him. Again, in light of some people's apparent um, inability to see that he has had growth as a character through the first seven episodes and then exponentially tonight
0: yeah i mean this obviously was the ward episode and uh certainly a, a novel way to get to his backstory his flashback episode if you will um certainly i think if you had to to pin somebody as quote unquote the villain in this episode he maybe wore that hat for the longest but um i thought that it was kind of very realistically done you know where initially it was kind of like oh wow it makes him so angry that he's kind of rude and surly to his very insular co-workers who are similar to a family so it's kind of akin to just being like you know you know what cousin pete you're a you know dirty so-and-so and and how dare you and i'm gonna go stomp out back right now and you know 20 minutes later you sit and you know share a beer and whatever and kind of kind of work it out um but it it was it was nice seeing kind of ward unplugged ward because he's so kind of you know put together and, and whatnot we've seen these little flashes of him saying you know um i'm the i'm the independent guy now i need to work with somebody a uh, last week or i'm the you know i'm i'm this finely tuned machine and now you're now i have to you know be part of a team that kind of thing um so we've seen that side to him but to, to kind of see it in full force in this episode certainly was illuminating
1: Well, you know, he's been Mr. Save the Day, but he's shown humor before. And here, you know, particularly in that scene where, you know, you leave our TV vets out of that scene, you leave Coulson and you leave uh, May out of that scene. And who is it? It's the young people that essentially are, you know, the background face of the show. Who, who knows if Coulson, you know, will be on this show forever. Maybe it is a handing off type of situation. See if they can carry it. Um, but we see cracks in this family unit that, you know, we can only make because they've built it. Because they've come together. And we can feel the effect of Ward lashing out at the sister and the maybe girlfriend and the little brother and all that kind of stuff, you know, point in comments like, you know, am I going to have to bail you out again yeah. to 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 fit? And it hurt. I, mm. I thought, you know, those, those barbs, they worked. They were really effective. And yeah, he's not the bad guy or the perceived bad guy. The the Asgardian like McNichol who can bend metal in his bare hand, who needs to be in a vibranium uh, cage aboard that airplane. Um, you know, but he took a swing at war uh, at may, I should say he missed cause again, she's hard to hit, but it's the devil, you know, in this episode, you know, we know what he's capable of amped up, raged up, you know, he's a wild card and you know, that Colson allows him to stay in play in light of what he's going through again, only shows how much tighter these people are. These characters are after, you know, eight episodes. We're right where we should be more than a third of the way through the season now. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I I continue to feel better about this episode, Pete. Uh, maybe this is something I need to go back and rewatch in a couple of days um, because you're right. It, it, it um, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right there and uh i'm sorry i'm kind of uh, i'm thinking ahead i don't know uh well l- let me share this comment i don't know maybe it'll be a springboard and some of the other thoughts um it is kind of in the in the villainous dossier vein the final fight i was a little put off by the notion that you know boys fight boys and girls fight girls yes yes may does hit one guy one time but then she has the super cool fight with the girl um it was made a bit better by the 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 um pagan girl getting hit into the camera but still it's just kind of like really we have to have you know like boys fight boys and girls fight girls particularly in an episode where and well I'll, i'll save the full thoughts i suppose for level seven but in an episode that um the main thrust of the story ends with essentially may asserting herself as a very strong and competent woman somebody who's not not submissive in any means to only have a few scenes previous to have it like you know all right whoa hold on now the girl is ready to fight so may will
1: fight her it was just a little i get executed um she's the only choice to take the staff after word is wielded it Um, Matt, were you as, uh, shaken as I was that, uh, Ward killed a couple people, more than a couple people there. I mean, you know, we see the blood pouring out of the one guy's head. Uh, he clearly impaled, uh, another, uh, berserker, uh, who's to say he killed them all. Um, but I think in the denouement there, um, May is the only one who can literally take up the staff and finish that scene i
0: i would agree with everything you said i i wouldn't i don't particularly have a problem with ward killing superpowered bad guys i mean i think
1: that i do where's the containment <laughs> <laughs> you, you know where's the restraint no. it was a little that's the problem i have with this episode which there's a serious dark underpinning to this episode in in light of what Ward went through, and we still don't have the resolution on that tale, did he wind up in the well himself? Right. Um, and I, I think there's certainly more to tell, and and we will get to the bottom of that well. See what Indeed. I Indeed, I I absolutely saw what
0: you did. I was I'm, I'm very impressed.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but to defeat a god, you must become one, and you know, look at what they both went through. Hence the reason we're gonna talk about them at the very end of level seven.
0: Um indeed. Well I think yes, certainly I think they by the end of the episode they certainly were were, if not gods themselves, calling to God. But uh Wow. With that Pete, I I am I'm, I'm all tapped out for the dossier. I don't know if you have anything else or if we should move on to our next segment.
1: Let's uh kick it into the level seven segment here. Let's begin with something a little bit more lighthearted. As they're cleaning up, a reference was made, Fitz said it, Matt, what did he say?
0: Uh, he said, am I your little monkey? And uh, we had No, a- no,
1: no, no. He said this would go a lot quicker if he had a monkey.
0: Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, which just made me, you know, chortle and dare say giggle with delight. You know, the, the Fitz monkey lives. I like to think, Pete, and I have to go back and see when they shot this episode, which wasn't too terribly long ago but i would like to think that that was a, a late addition to the script based on the the rip roaring feedback that the fitz monkey got at new york comic-con and in all the coverage of new york comic-con uh the epicenter of course being me i so. think
1: i think you're gonna find Matt that the the dates line up and uh that that was an addition wow Well, hey let's hope yeah um, you know, oh, the, dream. the stuff with Norse myth in this episode, you know, that there's some some background stuff that certainly could could spin off in its own conspiratorial uh, situation. Uh, initially, I thought that the you know, what looked like uh, smaller pieces of the staff, I thought it was going to be um, the, the hand, the rest of the handle of uh uh, Thor's hammer, uh, Mjolnir, or as I like to call it, uh, Mew Mew. Mew Mew. Um, you know, <laughs> we have a nine thousand year old tree that it is is conveniently put in like some sort of Norse hide a key, um, you know, uh, type of situation. <laughs> it took me a second. To, I was like, hide a key. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you don't you, you don't have a nine thousand year old tree with a cutout portion in it to to put your spare key in behind I don't your. Know house.
0: If it was. I don't know if it was cut out as much as it was grew, you know, the tree grew around it, but um
1: straight I up it you know a- anyway um the the thor off the grid stuff even though we know from the very final frame of thor the dark world that he was last seen back on earth I thought was interesting and you know they they tiptoed around the the dreaminess of thor which uh melinda may uh subscribes to but uh and again you know you're not going to get hemsworth yet right on this show you know but that they've gone to a nick fury that they've brought a samuel jackson in who you know i would say does less tv than those other guys gives you hope gives you cause at some point
0: here's the pessimistic argument against what you just said a sam jackson i think is a lot more appreciative of his uh place in the marvel cinematic universe not the other people aren't appreciative but like you don't hear a sam jackson you know sam jackson had this nine picture deal or whatever he got in at the ground floor um
1: is it really a nine picture deal
0: i think it was uh, at least initially it's they're probably close there are eight or nine movies i mean he's probably re-upped and renegotiated since then but I think that where you hear some of these other stories of you know oh Hemsworth and uh, Captain America you know they got five million dollars for each of those movies that went on and did you know three four hundred million dollars they you know they were underpaid because they were kind of barely known when they first got the role now they're so big and so on and so forth like I think to say, "Hey, Sam Jackson, can you show up for a day and do us a solid?" I think he's a more in a position to do it. B, he's got to be LA based, where I don't know that that's necessarily the the case or at least Hemsworth. Right. Um, I you know, so there's that possibility too. On top of it, I mean, I know Sam Jackson does work outside Marvel, but it's not, it's not as a leading man where it's like, "Oh boy, can we fly in Hemsworth for a day?" Well, between the Ron Howard race car movie, doing reshoots for that and then doing press for that and then getting ready to do this and doing press for Thor, you know, and his prepping his next movie. Like, it's probably a little bit more difficult to just be like, hey, dude, on your day off, you know, hey, we'll throw you whatever, you know, we'll send a car around. Oh, sure, I'll do it for, you know, you got me for three hours and I got to get out of here, all part of the family. I think it's probably more Sam Jackson's, you know, speaks to his availability versus, uh, you know, your, your Thor or your Captain America, etc.,
1: this is certainly true. You know, um, when it comes to the larger aspect of, of this episode, certainly with the staff, uh, the phrase that it shines light into dark places, uh, that it was forged from a rare metal, uh, this comes up, are the effects permanent? And what we're able to see with Ward in the flashback um, to the titular aspect of this episode we ultimately find that it is his brother and not him who was trapped in the bottle bottom of a well. Um, and then either another brother or a bully who uh, didn't want him throwing down the rope. And yet he fought that and he threw down the rope. And again, we do not know the resolution of that tale and heavy, allusion is made to ward's mysterious childhood this memory from when he's eight years old that he references with colson
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see them uh return to it i i think that um to again return to the the notion of this being somewhere kind of on the procedural hybrid uh, uh you know scale um Again, not on the Law and Order end, but also not a completely serial show either. They've certainly established a number of these uh, running intrigues. I wouldn't say it's quite on the, the theory level of, you know, is Colson a robot? What happened in Tahiti? Tell us why Melinda May has, you know, what is in her dark past. Um, it's not quite at that level, but it is akin to getting to know these characters better, both as they are now and in their past. So, um i look forward to returning it i don't really have much to say in the way of theories i think that we're we're not given a ton to chew over in terms of well it could be this or it could be that we'll just have to wait and see
1: you know may's backstory was teased again and and her ability to wield the staff is certainly uh an outgrowth of where she's been as a character and you know Ward asked how she was able to hold all three pieces of the staff and, and she said, you know, cryptically, you know, because I see that every day. Um, so certainly the, the wounds that, that she bears and their connection now, you know, we've established – and that again I think is, is the wonderful thing that I'm seeing the growth in these characters. We've established so many cross connections in this group of six people. Um, you know, forget the the shipping stuff for a moment, if you could. All right. Which, all right. You know, it's, it's got the, the internet and the, and the, the Twitter traction and it's cute and all that. Okay. But look in this episode that you had a ward before the infection, the affliction, you know, get into Simmons head to help her up the tree by distracting her. Okay. Um, look of the connection that you now are forging between May and Ward that may or may not be sexual in nature um you know you've got a lot of good things going on in this show from a storytelling perspective on top of the world they have to play in you know I think it's only cause for optimism I really do
0: Miss May, are you trying to seduce me?
1: <laughs> you're right. I don't know. Right, I don't Pete. know how I feel about that. You know. So, so this shot where you know he he's drinking off the effects of uh, wielding a third of this spear. She's still got the physical bruises from her fight, where she put together, assembled, reassembled this entire spear that was last held in Toto by an alien to this world and you know she's got the bottle that she's going to finish off and i actually had to go back and rewind it to make sure i saw him enter her room Uh,
0: yeah i mean i think that it was a very um affirming scene for her i mean to kind of say you know in the previous scene when he's talking with sky it's, she's kind of saying you know oh you can put your head on my shoulder and she certainly is not being seductive at all but i think that um i think that i think that many a guy if they found themselves in ward's shoes there he'd be saying yeah i'd love to start with the shoulder and then you know then we'll see if we can get some some kissy face um i to then kind of flip things around where he's just kind of like all right back to the hotel room time to you know finally be alone deal with this demon myself and for her just just that you know complete woman in charge opens the door gives the look and wasn't even particularly a come hither look it was just no, like it was yup. not it was like yep i know i know and you know this story ain't closing i'm going in there with the bottle and it was just i thought it was very very um i mean certainly certainly surprising but very um very well handled in terms of you know whether you want to say feminist whether you want to say whatever it is just may as a strong strong character was the strongest there and if because of the spear if because of whatever if she's making i mean i think this is i think we can agree pete that this is uh for them as characters uh for them as you know as co-workers etc that this is a bad choice we can kind of discuss the story merit separately but for for them as people (laughs) This is a bad long-term decision, but I think the look on May's face was kind of like, "I got an itch to scratch. Let's go, bud. You got the same itch. Let's let's make this happen."
1: Well, you're you're you know, explicitly implying that it was sexual. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm on the fence about it. You know, she's been to a place that Ward has that Sky has not that, you know, the solace he's going to seek in Sky is only going to get him so far, you know, you're going to seek out people with common experiences in a situation like that. And, and from a character storytelling perspective, it only makes sense. Now, you know, they could have been making conversation instead of making something else for all we know. <sighs> Whoopee. And, uh, you know, we will find that out long term, you know. We got to sow conflict amongst these characters as well. And that can be used as something to, you know, generate stories down the road.
0: Pete, I think that if the show or the producers ever definitively say, uh, yes, we teased that, but he actually went in there and had a good cry and or they they got drunk and both told awful tales him of his brother and her of you know the horrors that she's seen so on and so forth if that's if, if, if i'm not saying they need to commit to hey episode 109 opens with morning time and he walks out with a, uh, a you know a sheet wrapped around his midriff as he uh, as he quickly runs back to his hotel room I'm not saying it needs to be that, you know, explicit, no pun intended. But if they take away the possibility from the audience, that is a poor dramatic decision. I'm not Again, I'm not saying that they have to commit to it having been sexual, but I think that that should always be in the back of our minds, what happened there. And if season 10, if the show, you know, wraps after season 10, and they've never addressed it again, then we'll be able to say, must have just been a one-time thing, they're professionals, they... If it, if it was physical in nature, they kept that locked up, it didn't affect them professionally it, they, they did chose not to return to it emotionally the end that's the conclusion that we can reach but the show will be poorer for uh, the decision if it ever happens to take away the at least the possibility of it of it having been an incredibly uh, intimate and highly inappropriate uh, affair pun intended.
1: I mean, yes or no, there clearly will be consequences to their rendezvous in that room, whether it will be the misunderstanding of what took place or whether it will be the reality of what took place.
0: I just hope it's not like Sky figuring it out and it's like, I'm 22 and I kind of like you and I don't know how I feel and... You know, let me go to my MacBook and type in uh Sex in the City diary thing of today big went with Melinda May. I don't know how I feel. Like, I hope they don't do that because I don't know. Maybe my grumpies are returning. Sky continues to be the weakest character here. And I feel like. The, they're but always I think she's to-
1: she's designed that way, Matt. I, I I think she has to be. She's level zero. Right. She's She's the entry level. And, you know, if she's not your weakest character, then you've written the show wrong. You've created, you know, your cast improperly. And, you know, they'll return to this. And I I think it'll be meted out, you know, in, in a conclusive and a satisfying manner over time. Speaking of satisfying, if we can move on, the secret scene tonight we had uh, a a dream or a nightmare. What did you think it was?
0: I think that it was, um, I think that it was a truth, a true, uh, you know, experience. So a flashback, if you will, but that, that Colson was experiencing in the dream state, obviously for him, it was a nightmare. And uh, uh, here's the sense I got that with her, calling it magical, Um, and his kind of, you know, it's a perfectly pleasant scene. So why is it juxtaposed by his reaction? I think that it's because it's him banging up against the walls of the Matrix, if you will. He, earlier in the episode, he says, I was killed, uh, but I'm hazy on that. I have no memory of being revived, of being in a hospital. I just woke up a few months later. So whatever we're headed to, I mean, my goodness, Pete, I'm reminded of another uh marvel character in the marvel cinematic universe who you know just woke up one day in the form of steve rogers and you know it was this um somewhat elaborate but not elaborate enough uh ruse to say hey you're still in the 1940s um and i'm wondering if it's a case of "Ooh, we learned from that how to you know next time we do a ruse we need to do it better and maybe you know whatever the particulars are i think we're headed to that sort of return to something pete that we've talked about week after week which is there's this edge around the the overall story of shield not necessarily being a great place not necessarily being a place of which you are proud Uh, you know it's not kind of you know the United States Army in 1943 out to get those Nazis and get those awful, you know, Japanese aggressors. It's not kind of something that you can be black and white proud of. Um,
1: or, there is no rah rah to Shield. It, it's right. it, by nature it can't be. You know, the, the the thing we've seen about Shield, you know, people, particularly in the in the Twitterverse, don't seem to understand. You know, Shield itself is not. Secret, what they do is right, and I think that stands for its intra agency work as well, you know, given the hierarchical nature, you know the levels et cetera et cetera for me the the most telling piece in the uh the dream sequence uh was you know Colson saying it's too good to be true,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I think that we're headed towards um, we're headed towards something that really is going to be a, an anti-Shield conclusion um, to, to that story, which would would certainly be supported by these little um, hints that we've had here and there of of it of it being a bit of a negative uh, operation, if you will.
1: Well, listen, what is Coulson, if anything, a company man? Right. and how do you create drama will you shake that faith in his company okay and and this is a way to do that and ultimately he's going to make whatever discovery that this is and he's already questioning his 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 faith in this system yet he remains trustful of it that's just his you know his personality um, but it's shaken him and the word that Randolph used was haunted, um, and as somebody who's had dealings in two worlds, you know he knows a little bit more about that type of experience. So I thought he was the perfect person to have that conversation with before Coulson had his dream. But we'll get to that. That's again, that's the long-term mystery, I believe, of this season that will ultimately. Uh, gain the resolution to. Absolutely. Definitely good stuff to look forward to. Well, let's decrypt some transmissions here. Matt, what do we got? Uh, Well, we
0: start with an email from our agent, Michelle, our our Uber pal to the podcast. And she says, uh, I don't know if you saw the article, I linked in the email, but Maureen Ryan, uh, who writes for Huffington Post, recently published an article going totally Lizzie Borden on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the point that she calls for a complete overhaul to fix it. It drives me crazy, and I really have nothing to say about it, other than if Ryan didn't care about the characters after episode six, she clearly has no soul, and that's her problem. Uh, not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s. But I was wondering if you guys might address this perplexing, Uh, backlash on the next podcast. I don't think anyone would say that the show has gotten all of its engines gunning yet, but for heaven's sake, people watch Pretty Little Liars. Why are they so offended? And offended they really seem to be uh, by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just beyond my ability to comprehend. Anyway, that's my mini mushroom cloud for the evening. Best, Michelle. Now, of course, Pete, Michelle referencing uh, Lizzie Borden, who in the late 1800s axed her mother and her father to death, or at least that's the, you know, she was accused of that. Um, so, Pete, I know I've read the Maureen Ryan article. You have as well. It certainly is venomous in, yeah. its, in its attack of the show. I think that while her article is um, at the extreme, there certainly has been an increased critical drumbeat against the show in the last couple weeks. Uh, perhaps it's just uh, you know Icarus, like it was flying so high. It's 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 jumping off from the Avengers. It's directed by the Avengers director. Um, forgetting that shows sometimes do need to find their voice uh, f- for a couple of episodes. I think that we've had that for uh, since episode six, as Michelle says. Uh, and even if I didn't completely love this episode, it still certainly wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. So, Pete, I mean, your your thoughts here on the problems of the show, uh, on Maureen Ryan's article, etc.
1: Well, you know, addressing problems of the show, I would say what problems? There are no problems as far as I'm concerned at this point. Uh, are there little things here and there, which I think we touched upon in this episode? Of course. Um, but I think... It's working, and it's working on a far greater level than clearly this woman understands. When you cite shows that you feel have done a better job at the spy show, hero-driven drama, and then here's her list. Stargate SG-1, it starts with credibility equals gone. (laughs) Okay? Strike Back, Spartacus, Chuck, Burn Notice, Covert Affairs, The Americans, Banshee, Continuum, Arrow, and heck, even Lost Girl. I'm sorry. She very clearly has an agenda with this article. And I can't take her seriously as a journalist if she's going to come out swinging in that way. Um, Could this show be on a larger scale? Yes. Has it been on a pretty large scale? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, and apparently she is completely ignorant of the character development that's gone on. She rails against Ward and his lack of a personality. Yet, what did we see in last week's episode with the joking around and and the voice? Or was that the previous episode where he did his his voice there with, uh, I think it was the previous episode. Where he did? Right, his, I mean, yes, it was it was uh, the the episode where he did his Agent Ward episode, his Agent yes, yes, Ward yes, voice yes. at the end. Yes. Okay, you know, so that makes it even worse. Two episodes back, he's poking fun at himself. Okay, the character can't be like that all the time because if he's poking fun at himself all the time, then he's essentially Fitz. He's a different character. Okay, right. I take. Tremendous issue with this woman's article. Um, it really, really smacks of an agenda. You know what? I'm going to pick on uh, a fairly popular show at this point. I'm going to find the warts in it. I'm going to put myself on the map, okay? Can't be the way journalism is done, and uh, it's a pretty lousy article.
0: Ooh! Thus speaks Pete. Uh, moving on, we have a tweet from uh, ZP International, uh, who says he liked the episode, hints to Agents Ward and May's past, plus how good Colson really is. Uh, moving on, we have a quick tweet from Michelle again uh, on the topic of what I called "way," which is my attempt to coin a shipping uh, phrase for Ward and May. Um,
1: you don't like she was. You don't like mord, m- mard, <laughs> mard, <laughs> m- mard.
0: Uh, well, I maybe that's what the...
1: sky will say when she finds out <laughs> or she'll Hard. say no
0: she'll say no way um anyhow michelle's response to the two of them um well doing something was i threw up a little in my mouth <laughs> I guess. um we also have a tweet from uh uh at roger what what that's with u's instead of a's and uh, he has the rather uh, rather wise <laughs> observation here. Quote, I know Thor, close quote, also happens to be Colson's number one pickup line. Okay. Uh, n- no chuckle. <laughs> there we go. Delayed chuckle. Um, from Paige Branson, she says, Dang, Marvel, you sure do like stabbing people in the chest, um, which I thought was uh, certainly appropriate. And then uh, one more tweet here that also made me chuckle from ZP International again. Um since this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, I expect to see the bus fly off to the horizon to Star Trek music.
1: Well, we didn't get that, but we did get a nice uh landing shot that I thought was uh well placed. Indeed. <laughs> it wouldn't undercut the show to, to show the, the bus flying away at the end, enterprise style.
0: You know. Yeah, kind of, you know, yeah. Um anyhow we also have an email from our pal in the UK, Ian. Uh, This was actually in response to last week's episode, Um, but I think that he he does a good... you know takes a good opportunity here to kind of hit on a few issues he says first off this was uh, let me try and read his words properly sorry first off this for me was an episode that moved the show to a different level previously things had been at a very neutral level and as I mentioned before possibly a little too derivative of other ideas and concepts I think the earlier episodes were the writers not really knowing what or who the characters were and this one Uh, With this one, they have begun to realize what makes them work together, and this made a very cohesive and enjoyable episode to watch. I found I really cared about Fitz and Ward and their situation, and felt a great comfort in knowing that their team will defy the rules to rescue their own. So aside from that one specific comment there about Ward and Fitz from last week, I think that he certainly captures where the show is at, whether it's episode 106, 107, 108, that we're at a point where the writers really do know what the actors can do the actors know the characters the writers know the characters and we're in a we're in a good spot here
1: well i mean being you know headlong in the sweeps as we are i think the 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 comment is you know perfectly understanding you know they're they're coming together they have come together which is necessary so that they can be broken apart at other points later in the season and whether, you know, uh, the denouement of May leaving the door open for Ward here uh, pays off in the immediate or in the long term, you know, that has to happen for, for further development. It can't be hunky-dory on the bus and within S.H.I.E.L.D. at all times.
0: Indeed. And, Pete, with that, we have one more email. And this is a biggie. This is from David. He said, I just wanted to offer an alternative explanation to the shield are prepared to sacrifice agents theory that you put forward in the last podcast, which I enjoyed as ever. He says, at a level above Coulson's clearance, shield is working to make the team self-sufficient and capable of relying on themselves to survive. I think uh, that is the system which Coulson is asked to trust. I think, number one... What Sky thought she was hacking was what S.H.I.E.L.D. gave her access to. Hence, it's door number one, what you want to know, door number two, what you need to know. You can only choose one, which it will be, uh, which will it be scenario. They were testing her. The documents she found were only the redacted ones anyways. So no great disclosure there. I'll just pause David's words for a moment, Pete, and say it's kind of rather, uh, you know, Kobayashi Maru kind of suggestive uh, of that, perhaps. Oh, certainly. Anyhow, number two, says David, Simmons shoots a superior officer who conveniently is there to challenge her in the act of rule breaking and is not reprimanded. Number three, they manage to take off with their plane, a la Millennium Falcon Escape from the Death Star, without anyone saying, where are you going without two of your team members? Number four, when Coulson challenges Victoria Hand, he is told to trust the system. My view is that the system is fine, it, it is just not what Coulson thinks it is. Finally, when the team gets out, there is some satisfaction on Victoria Hand's response. It's Coulson's team, they didn't need extraction. This is S.H.I.E.L.D. putting together a team of agents which together can do the job uh, of a hero, improvising, breaking rules, challenging authority, and capable of looking after themselves. I'm almost afraid to contradict your theories, but there we go. Says David. So Pete, your thoughts that that last week's episode was, by and large, um, uh, I mean, while a real you know kind of field activity for Fitz and uh, and uh, Ward, the machinations behind it, the the particulars going on in the hub, uh, that that was actually um, kind of live basic training, if you will, for this possible super team of Shield that we have here uh, under Colson's. Uh, you know, under his uh, protection and tutelage
1: I like it, it makes sense that they've got to see what they have in these people um, yes, there were issues with that episode shooting a superior officer and facing no reprimand, either again, in the short term or the long term, that's an issue as far as command structure at the same time, it was for both story and comedic purposes, so it worked right. um, you know The ultimate repercussions, I think, we'll see, you know, uh, in the in the longer story sense, Um, you know, again taking off from the hub and you know not being, uh, you know, uh, called into question because of that. Yeah, but necessary from a story sense, you know, how's it going to slow down the story? Where are you taking the prisoner? Blah 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 blah. You know, I mean, there's there's a reason why that is clunky dialogue because it's, it's a road exposition. You don't need to give us B to get from A to C. I, I agree. But what I really appreciate
0: from David's email is that he essentially says, he asks us to trust the story system, which is mm-hmm. don't excuse these things as, um, as the realities of, uh, or the necessities of a story. Maybe it's there uh, on purpose, maybe those weaknesses are actually cracks in shield's plan, not cracks in the uh, in, in the uh, the script if you will right so um, I thought it was uh, it was a thought provoking uh, thought provoking email and uh, Pete it does of course earn David title agent of the week
1: well earned of course
0: absolutely and I'll be uh, getting in touch with him to get that button in the in the, the post before too long and uh, Pete that is our final email I know um, we have uh, as was confirmed um, and of course we never should uh, should, should question you uh, we have uh, what is it it's the one more episode for November or is it two more I know the, the November 3rd um, episode is a rerun.
1: December third is
0: December third because I months are difficult to remember. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have the one. There's the one more Tuesday in this month. Yes, um,
1: uh, the the 26th of November will be our uh, final episode of uh, the sweeps period proper then we will have a repeat of The Girl in the Flower Dress on Tuesday, December 3rd, before returning to a new episode on uh, Tuesday, December 10th.
0: And I don't think they've announced anything after that, Pete. I know it's your uh, supposition, and I certainly agree with it, that that would probably be the last episode uh, of of December. It makes sense. The 17th
1: is very late uh, to go into... Um, you know, what should be the hiatus period. um, Particularly if you
0: have holiday, you know, if ABC has holiday programming to air, it's unlikely that you would be airing, you know, like whatever it is, you know, Rudolph, or I think it's more of a CBS thing. You know, if you're doing, you know, the... Ice Sculpture Man, a special TV movie for Christmas, you know, whatever it is, you probably wouldn't be doing it the following Tuesday, Christmas Eve. Um,
1: well, isn't there that Hulk uh, Christmas special they're gonna run this year?
0: Hulk smash <laughs> ice to make reindeer <laughs> decoration. Yes. So, yeah, I guess, I, you know, we uh, I, I'm a little, um, even though I wasn't keen on this episode when the podcast started, while I I don't love it at the moment, um, it's kind of a little like gulp, the thought that we have one more this month, one next month, and then it's like January.
1: Like I said, we are more than a third of the season, assuming they're going to stick to a normal 22-episode order. For all we know, know, they could throw us a two-hour at the end of the season, etc. You know, uh, coming off one movie with another on deck in august so we'll, right. we'll have to see and you know those those plans are firmly afoot at this point um but i By would way, anticipate, Pete, the, go ahead
0: i was going to say there was um the announcement uh today of at least as things stand now of the the winter schedule for abc which included um change in time slots for some existing shows agents of shield was not among them so you know i suppose things could change as needs arise but uh the plan right now is for agents of shield to remain on uh tuesdays at at 8 p.m for you know the duration of the uh uh, of the season i kind of have mixed feelings about that I, i think my hope was kind of that they'd be like Hey, we really, really, really believe in this show, so we're going to put it on before you know Grey's Anatomy, or we're going to put it on. You know, I, I had wondered if they might have done a strategic prop it up, boost it up, give it an, an injection, uh, time slot change. But I suppose not moving it also is um, it shows a sense of calm. I would hope. Um, yes,
1: and I, I again trust the system, stay the course. I, I think moving it. A night or anywhere in time on the same night right now would be a mistake um you know we're, we're starting to drop shows uh you know at this point in the early tv season but it's late for a lot of shows abc can that awful show that was on later on tuesdays uh back in the game um and, you know, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is, I, I guess, surprisingly, um, you know, on the chopping block. I can't quite understand. I don't watch the, the original, but I can't quite understand why they're not getting, you know, viewers from the original to, to come out for the spinoff. It, it may just be the quality. Who knows? Um, I wonder too,
0: and I mean, this is probably quickly me talking out of my league, but I, uh, the sense I get is that Once Upon a Time has, you know, is geared more towards a female audience. And I just wonder if, and I'm certainly not trying to sound either, you know, sexist or the opposite of sexist, but I, I just kind of feel like. I think that the average guy would be like, oh, I love NCIS. You're going to do NCIS somewhere else? I'll watch that too. I feel like the average woman would be like, I love Once Upon a Time because of what makes it Once Upon a Time, the relationship between the characters, and now you just want to like Xerox my eyeballs to have me watch another the same thing like another night? Like, no thank you. I'm going to stick with, stick with, with what I like over here and not just automatically jump to the next one, to the next one, to the next one.
1: Um... I guess, but given that it's a female protagonist, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you know if we're going to say that that show skews predominantly uh, female, that they wouldn't follow it. It just seems surprising to me. And again, I've I've not watched second one of it. it it's just not up my alley. Um, you know, could some point at Thursday ultimately be a logical landing spot for Agents of Shield? I would say perhaps I don't think it's this season. I think the show will be renewed, and uh, you know they're going to, as long as they can, let the show stand on its own merit. It's an anchor right now on Tuesday nights. You know everything's built around that on Tuesday. You know the crossover viewership that uh, the Goldbergs is getting is as a result of uh, Agents of Shield. I mean, look, are the ratings down since the pilot they are look at all these other shows and that's the nature of tv they debut and then they go down what did we go through the past couple nights matt with almost human
0: you're absolutely right i mean uh, i i didn't watch the almost human pilot um, i did live but I know that you were tweeting it, and I I know it seemed to have a lot of big buzz on Twitter, and it, it did. It didn't do monster numbers for the pilot, but I it think, trended I on really,
1: Twitter for two hours.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it did really well, and then it had oh, in the neighborhood, you know, it had between nine and ten million viewers total. Um, and then to see the second episode, and I was like, eh, you know, like not that I'm in any way bailing on Agents of Shield, but I was like, you know, like, hey, we want to be part of a wave here. I'm like, oh, maybe the wave is almost human, and then. The second episode aired 24 hours later. For anybody who, <laughs> who is suddenly saying, "Oh, when did this become the TV news podcast?" But the second episode aired, you know, the next the next night, and it lost a third of its viewers, and it's at like 6.8 million viewers. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, Agents of Shield is like 200,000 people less." than that and it's taken seven episodes for the audience for the the shield audience to get there and now almost human is there in 24 hours
1: i mean listen and we don't need to educate our listeners in in the minutiae and you know the, the other aspects of tv viewership but you know they're they're made to bleed off they're they're made for people to have other distractions i mean look at the amount of things on a Sunday night you know between I I really worried when they put the the pilot of Almost Human on a Sunday night you've got the NFL you you had a huge game against you know uh, one team that was undefeated and another had only had one loss to this point in the Denver Broncos and then you had um, there was something else oh oh, yeah there's a little show called The Walking Dead on Sunday (laughs) you had that on too um
0: in what was a fantastic self-contained episode by the way
1: well we we can go into that another time uh (laughs) we're we're not going to go too finely into the plots of other shows on the agents of shield podcast but anyway (laughs) um and you know this is
0: this is like overtime you know
1: it is it is but you know i I think it speaks to the nature of, of where we're at um you know these shows lose viewers uh pilots It's the splash. It it gets a lot of people checking it out. And then, you know, where you wind up in other weeks is a sense of where the show is at. And, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a core audience. Um, Are they losing viewers precipitously? They're not. And and that's why, you know, while they might be on the bubble to be renewed for Season 2, we're still talking about a renewal for Season 2, not surviving the season. So this is a place we... Mm -hmm. You know, we've been, but we haven't. Yeah. I, and then if you I, slip down the dial on NBC, you see shows that are back with horrible ratings.
0: And there was speculation on TV by the numbers that NBC might cancel its entire Thursday night lineup by the end of the season. NBC it's not there yet, but yeah.
1: should cancel its entire Thursday night lineup. NBC should cancel its entire lineup. They should run static, (laughs) and they would probably get passable numbers. (laughs) But anyway,
0: yeah. Well, Pete, speaking of passable numbers, (laughs) that's the that's the number of followers that I have on Twitter at Looking Back Lost. You
1: beat yourself up.
0: You are more than passable. You are you are a hero. You are a rocket. I believe in the music industry, they would say number one with a bullet. Wow. So Pete, how can interested souls who want your wit, your, your just wonderful perspective on the world, my musings, uh, your musings on things (laughs) concerning the New York metropolitans or local politics or decisions that Rick is making on the walking dead. Um, or other things about stuff, how can they get in touch with you on the Twitter? Well,
1: 1,424 people can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R.
0: And this podcast is on Twitter at Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. You can send emails to us, why, like David did in his award winning email here at uh, FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Of course, it's still with a PH. You can leave a message on the listener line, 732 707 1815, for up to three minutes. You also, if you want your voice heard on the podcast, your little, uh, a little afraid of the old telephone if you head over to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com there's now something you can click on the right where you can leave a short message um, you know again your thoughts on the podcast on past episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. future episodes etc and uh, you of course can leave a comment on the webpage as well so with that Pete I think we've covered everything we have episode 109 to look forward to next week week uh that in this country we will uh get done with that episode and then a mere 48 hours later be giving thanks with our turkeys and such uh i wonder if uh <laughs> i wonder if uh, our agents of shield people will have a thanksgiving episode maybe you know the one after thanksgiving or two after thanksgiving with these weeks off but uh we have that ahead of us pete we do indeed so i will say adios to all our listeners and pete we we await finally the best part of the podcast your final word
1: well why can't they ever send the god of cleaning up after themselves